Hello, Pioneering Today podcast listeners. So I'm really excited to talk with you guys today about, this actually came in as a reader question, and it was also something that I have been thinking about lately and trying to do better of, and that is how do you make the time or figure out how to fit it in with our schedule to make everything or most things from scratch to eat healthy um, by preparing food at home. So a lot of people feel that they don't have the time, and I hear you. I, I totally get you guys. I don't have a ton of time either. I work 25 hours plus a week as a pharmacy technician, and the pharmacy that I work at is 18 miles one way from our home. I have two elementary age kids, so we've got all of you know school stuff going on in that. We have a full homestead with we raise our own beef cattle, pigs, uh, meat chickens, plus egg layers. And then I also write and blog and do all of that stuff that that entails about 30 hours a week usually. And then there also has to be some room in there and some of those hours needs to be just for living, right? I mean, we don't want to be where we're working all the time. We want to be able to enjoy life too. So the thing is, is everybody is busy. I'm not any more busy than the rest of you. And some of you are probably a whole lot busier than I am. But let's be honest, cooking from scratch and using traditional methods, it does take more time than purchasing, you know, boxed meals or fast food, uh, ready to go stuff, um, you know, processed types foods. So there's no way around that it's going to take a little bit more time to make things from scratch and use traditional methods. However, it doesn't take a lot more time. So I found some tips and tricks over the years that help me make certain processes faster and quicker and allow me to cook pretty much everything. Not all things. I can't say that my kitchen is totally 100% every single thing in it is made from scratch, but by far the ma- vast majority of it is. And so the the number one thing is you need to have a well-stocked pantry with the basics, basic food items. You can't make things from scratch if you don't have the ingredients. Knowing how to substitute definitely helps. The closest store to us is about, oh, 10, 12 miles away. And so I'm not going to drop everything and drive a half an hour round trip to go to the grocery store for one thing. I just, I'm not going to do it. I don't have the time and it's going to cost way too much in gas and all that. So knowing how to substitute definitely helps. And if you have the basic ingredients on hand to begin with, then you can definitely substitute out a lot of things. So for example, if a recipe calls for something, most recipes have some kind of a fat source, some kind of oil. And so I know that I can use melted coconut oil. I can use butter. I can use avocado oil. And I can use also I sometimes if it's a baked good item, sometimes you can use applesauce or pureed pumpkin in there as well. And then of course, there's um, olive oil. And so I know that I always just stock those fats on hand and that when I'm making a dish, depending upon what the dish is, if I don't have one type of the fats or the oil, I can swap it out for another one. Generally speaking, things like cookies, I usually stick with the butter because coconut oil, it tends to have, well, not tends to have, it does have a lower melting point, so it melts quicker. And I found with things that, um, I love the coconut oil in cakes. Uh, I think it does fabulous things for cakes and muffins. I absolutely love it. But in things that are freeform, so like cookies, I found that the coconut oil makes them spread out way too much. 
And then I've also found too, even with the cookie or cake recipes and muffins, cupcakes, that kind of a thing, that if say um, the ratio was called for one cup oil, then I only do three quarters cup of the coconut oil. Otherwise it tends to be too much. So that's actually great because it helps save me money. But just know that you can swap out fats and recipes and the different oils without any ill effects. I do not prefer the olive oil in baked goods. It tends to come across too much. There's too much of a flavor of olive oil when you're using it in like cakes and cook um, and more baked goods. But I love olive oil when I'm making, you know, salad dressings or if we're grilling, um, that kind of thing. And avocado oil is actually one of my newer favorites. I've started using avocado oil about a year ago and it holds up. It's a very good oil to use for high heat. So you don't have to worry about it um, breaking down when it's cooked at high heat temperatures. And it's also pretty much flavorless. So for me, that works great when you're doing any kind of baked goods or you're cooking something that you just want the flavor of that food to come through that you don't want really anything to mask it. So I really like avocado oil. And actually, the avocado oil is a pretty good deal. And the best place that I found to purchase that has been at Costco. So our Costco carries organic avocado oil. So if you have a good pantry that's well stocked with just your basic ingredients, so you're going to want things like your flour, your different kinds of flour. We grind our own wheat, so I have different wheat berries, um, salts, herbs, spices, your fat contents. So I just kind of went over your fat sources, those kind of a things, if you have those in stock, you can make pretty much anything at home from scratch that you would buy in the store if you have a good set of basics on hand. So that's my number one thing is to make sure that you just have a good pantry stock set up. And I will link in the show notes um, my eight basic food storage items, and that will kind of go over that in further detail, talking about you know how to store it, how much, and that kind of a thing for your family. So you can grab that in the show notes at melissakanoris.com. Click on the podcast button. And then this is episode number 53. And so you'll be able to find all of that there. So then the next thing, and this is some of this might really seem really basic, but I find that we when we tend to get away from the simpler basic things, that's when things start to get crazy. <laughs> so I always go back to the basics because there's a reason that they're the basics and it's usually because they work so well. And that is just to have a basic set of meals that you know that your family likes. And so we always have at our house, I know that there are certain recipes that I can make that my family's going to like no matter what. And that doesn't mean that I don't try out new recipes and new things because I totally do. Generally, as cooks, when you're the main person at home preparing the meals, you kind of get tired of making the same thing all the time. So we generally like to throw in new things every now and then. But having a good set of standby recipes that I know everybody will eat that just use normal kind of everyday ingredients is really key for us. So a few of those would be tacos. My kids love tacos. I could make my tortillas at home because I've got my flour, salt, and a little bit of fat. So I just, you know, I know that those are going to come together, a little bit of water added in there. And so I know that I have those basics so I can make that anytime. So tacos is a number one for us. Most spaghetti is usually, most people really like, you know, spaghetti is kind of something usually your kids can eat. So just kind of think through some of those things that you might not necessarily even really think about, but as family favorites and write those down and just make sure that you have the items in your house at all times that you can make those from and you can pull from. So that's going to be is I don't really do traditional menu planning where I set out a whole month ahead of time and plan out all of our meals. 
if that works for you and you're doing that, I think that's fabulous. Don't stop it if it's working for you. I just don't tend to roll that way. <laughs> so I usually what I do is I menu plan us for a week. And so I've got all of my you know ingredients. And when I go to the grocery store, I stock up on what I'm going low on. I don't allow ourselves to run out of anything. And that's key with food storage as well, is don't wait to restock until you're totally out of the item. So I have a minimum threshold on our basic things that I don't let us get below. So if I use up the item and I say, okay, I've only got two things of coconut oil left and I pull one out of the pantry, I don't ever let my, I, my minimum that I keep on hand is two in the food storage. And then I try to keep an open one in the cupboards that I'm actually cooking from. So I know when I meet that threshold that I've gotten down that I have to, then it goes on my list the next time I go to town to purchase. Or to order if it's something that I order online. I usually order most of my wheat berries online, um, but I can put in special orders at our co-op and they'll order them in for me. But again, I have to call and order it ahead of time. So that I just kind of keep a, a list of things and I know when I need to restock it when I've reached my threshold. So you'll want to do that too. And then you'll always have it on hand to make it. So I don't do the traditional menu planning. Like I said, I decide at the beginning of the week what I'm going to be making for that week based on what I have in stock or what's seasonally coming in the garden, those kind of items. So I also plan to do the majority of my cooking on the days that I'm home. And so I know all of, usually all of us, I know there's some folks out there who don't, but usually everybody does have one day off at home and everything does kind of try tend to get piled into that day that you want to do at home. But for me, I know that cooking up some larger items to have throughout the, to get us through the week, it's definitely worth it. So one of the things that I do when I'm cooking my stuff from scratch is, depending on what the item is, is I usually make a double batch. So for example, Sunday morning, I usually make sourdough pancakes or sourdough waffles. And I make a double batch up and cook them up. And then what we don't eat for breakfast, because I've made the double batch, is I just throw them on a cookie sheet if it's waffles. Throw them on a cookie sheet, put them in the freezer for like an hour, sometimes up to five or six hours because I forget that they're in there to grab them. (laughs) So I flash freeze them on the cookie sheet and then pull them out and put them in a freezer container. And then in the mornings, I've got homemade waffles there ready to go. And I just take them from their frozen state, pop them in the toaster, usually on the lowest to second to lowest setting. And then bam, they come out. They're perfect. They're thawed. They're warm. And we have breakfast. And I didn't have to do any of the work on those busy mornings. So I do that. If I'm making pancakes, I generally don't freeze the pancakes. I usually put stack them on a plate and put them in the fridge. And then I do the same thing. I just take them out cold, throw them in the toaster on the lowest setting in the morning, and then they're warm and we're ready to go. So think ahead, especially if it's bread products, and just make a double batch. It pretty much takes the exact same amount of time to mix up one recipe of biscuits as it does two if you just double everything up. And that's another thing that I do as well. In fact, I just did this last week, is when I make up biscuits is I roll them out and then cut them out with a biscuit cutter, and then bake fresh the ones that we're going to have with dinner that night or whatever we're having it with, and then take the other ones in their raw state, but roll and cut out, and again, flash freeze them, put them on the cookie sheet, throw them in the freezer, the deep freezer for about, um, you know, like, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour, take them off and put them in a bag. So then when I need biscuits to make something, if I'm using it, sometimes I'll put biscuits on top of things for a casserole, not just to eat, or if you want to do breakfast sandwiches with biscuits, I just pull them out frozen and I bake them in the oven, the normal temperature that I would when I'm baking them fresh. 
And generally, I just have to add the baking time, like one or two minutes, not very much longer when you're cooking them frozen. And they still rise. They they're taste great. So bread products are really a good thing to do a double batch of and freeze it. And I generally freeze them. Biscuits I do raw and I also freeze raw. I mean, and then I do the same thing with pie crust. I freeze that raw as well. But usually if it's like actually bread, like I will bake up two to three loaves of bread and then I usually cut them in half and freeze it because we don't eat a ton of bread. And so if I have a whole loaf out on the counter because it doesn't have all those gross preservatives in it from the store, it will start to mold. (laughs) So I've learned that a half a loaf would go through before it starts to mold or get too stale. And so that's why I freeze it in the half loaf. So I just cut it in half and then freeze them and it thaws out great. So those kind of things I bake and then freeze. Same thing like with tortillas. You can bake though, make those fry them up in the pan and then freeze them and then do that with the waffles and that kind of a thing. So any of your bread products, because we don't have time, most of us don't have time to do a full on, you know, baking bread every day, that kind of a thing or on your regular, your work days or your busy days. So whenever I'm going to be making them, I just do a double batch and you can even triple it depending upon the size of your family and how much room you have in your freezer. So that is one of my, my other tips on making sure that I have it. And so it's kind of like, I'm basically making my own convenienced items that you would purchase already pre-made in the store. I'm just doing it at home when I'm already making it and just doubling it up for use later. And then my other thing is, is now this isn't going to work if you have one of those families that hate leftovers, but I love leftovers. And the main reason I love leftovers is because that means I don't have to cook again. (laughs) So when I'm cooking a meal at home, I try to make it large enough or the recipe large enough that we can have leftovers for the next day. We don't always have those leftovers for dinner the next day, especially if there's not enough leftover to feed our entire family. Then that's what my husband and I take for lunch when we go to work is last night's dinner. So I'm a big fan of leftovers. And if I can add a few ingredients into something to make it a little bit larger to stretch it into leftovers, then I totally do that. And I also will repurpose leftovers <laughs> into other meals. And so like I said, just make your own convenienced meals at home that so on those busy nights, because there are times when I'm like, there's just no way that I can get anything cooked from scratch done tonight. I just don't have the time. You know, we all have those. But if I already have those from scratch things that I've convenience done up ahead of time for myself, then I can come in and and use that and then I'm not sacrificing it. So I don't try to make everything from scratch every day, I should say. So one of the things that we just did, and I'm telling you guys, I'm in love and I'm going to be doing this a lot more, is I got 80 pounds of boneless, skinless chicken breast on a really good deal. And so I purchased it, whole 80 pounds at once. And when I brought it home, obviously, I it was in a cooler. And so I had to get that processed, however we were going to preserve it, pretty quick. And 80 pounds of chicken is quite a lot. <laughs> it took us um, about two and a half days because I, I brought it home on a work night. And I don't normally get home until about seven at night. And so, but we canned it. And so having that canned chicken has been awesome. I have been using it a lot. And so we, I ended up vacuum packing and freezing some of the chicken, but I'm probably going to be thawing some of that out when I go through my canned stuff and canning it, which you can do. So it's just been great. I canned it in, I just um, chopped it up into uniform chunks and I'll probably be having a tutorial on how to can chicken for those of you who aren't really familiar with the process on canning meats or would like to learn how. So that'll be upcoming. I don't have one on the blog right now. 
but I did it in some quart-sized jars and some pint-sized jars. So depending on what I was making or how much cooked chicken I need that I would have. And what's great is as it cans and it cooks while it's canning is it creates its own broth inside the jar. And so this week I did homemade chicken gravy. That was actually last night. I got home late from work. And so I just popped open a pint-sized jar, melted a little bit of butter, added just a little bit of flour for the thickener, and then I dumped in the entire pint. And so the broth and the juice from the chicken was the perfect amount of liquid. I just had to add, I think I ended up adding just like a splash of milk. And so it was almost a dairy-free sauce. And then the chicken in there and then let that all cook and make this really great chicken gravy. It was awesome. And we had that over some quinoa that I had cooked extra. See, that's my thing. I'd cooked extra the night before. And then for our vegetable, we had our home canned green beans. And so that was work and all stuff that I had done prior. And then when I needed to make the meal, I mean, it was done and on the table like 10 minutes. I mean, super, super fast. So make your convenience items ahead of time like that on the days that you do have time so that you can use them when you're not pressed for time. So like, for instance, I do um, homemade pizza dough. And so if you're doing sourdough pizza, plus pizza cooks super fast. You get home if you already have cooked meat, you know, you're just grating some cheese, adding your toppings on, and it's done in like 15, 15, 20 minutes. I love doing homemade pizza. You know, and another thing too for us is it's probably more tempting for you guys who live in the city, but I don't have where we live. I don't have the option of going to a drive through and grabbing dinner or calling and having something ordered or, or picking something up. In the neighboring towns where I live, we do have um, a couple of restaurants, but again, I'm going to have to drive much further to do that. And so usually, well, we just don't, not usually. It's just not something that we do. We, we do occasionally go out to eat you know, when it's planned, but as far as just like on a weeknight when I just don't want to cook, it's just not really an option. So I've just found things that work to do ahead of time like that. So like I said, you can even, if you're doing sourdough, if you know you're going to have pizza that night for dinner and you want to do a sourdough crust, which is great, then just go ahead and all you do is mix that up in the morning before you leave for work. It's going to take you like two or three minutes, literally. It's quick. And then you just let that sit until you get home and then you roll it out, put your piece of stuff on, bang, dinner's ready in like 20 minutes. Or you can also do, if you're not going to do a sourdough pizza dough, you can also just use your regular pizza crust recipe. And like I said, you can make up a couple extra and I put them in the freezer and then I just throw them in the fridge. If I know if they're frozen and I want to make pizza that night, I'll put them in the fridge in the morning so they thaw out in the fridge. Or you can let them thaw out for a couple hours on the kitchen counter and that works too. And so my other tip is to cook a large piece of meat. And I generally do this on Sundays because usually we're home on Sundays. And so that's like a whole turkey or a whole chicken or a large roast. Do that on your day off, whatever your day off is. And then you're going to eat that as part of, as your main part of your meal that night, the day that you cook it fresh. But then you have this cooked meat that you can use to create meals with throughout the week. So I love that. And you can also then, especially what's great about doing a you know a whole chicken or a whole turkey or a roast with the bone in, is then you can save those bones and then you can make your own broth. So if you've never done bone broth or that kind of thing, I will link to the tutorial on how to do that as well. And that gets you more more out of you know the, your things. And I love that. I love being able to use 
kind of what you, a lot of people would consider the kitchen scraps and making something else that's useful for it and good for my family. And it's a lot lighter on the pocketbook. So we will link to that in the show notes as well. And one thing too is, you know, I have to say is I love, I discovered the beauty of sourdough about, my sourdough starter is, it's about two years old now actually. And so we try to, I try to do things as traditionally as possible for the health benefits as long as part of the whole homesteading um, lifestyle that we really like to live and embrace. And so the great thing about sourdough is that's a method of soaking your flour. And so that helps break down the phytic acid, which help, makes it easier for your digestion. And so it's considered a traditional way. I don't have time to sprout my flour and then let it, you know, and then dehydrate it out to when I'm grinding my own flour. So I use sourdough a lot instead, and then that way I'm not purchasing sprout, sprouted flour. For me, it's a lot cheaper just to purchase the wheat berries and grind it myself. And then using the sourdough, it does all the work for me. And I'm all about foods and processes that does the work for me that takes very little maintenance on my part. <laughs> and so I love sourdough because it does that. All I have to do is um, when, it, when I'm using it a lot, which is most of the time, it sits on the counter and I put it by the by my sink right where I'm, you know, at all the time so I don't forget about it and I feed it once a day. And it just takes a couple of minutes. Actually, my daughter loves to feed it and it's been really fun telling her that we're feeding it. And she's like, well, how can you feed it? It's not alive. I'm like, well, it is alive and getting into that whole process and she's learning about it. So that's been really fun. She's almost six. And so you just feed it once or twice a day, depending on how often you're using it and, you know, how, how old it is in the, in its infancy, you're going to feed it twice a day. But after now I pretty much just do it once a day. And so all I have to do is mix up my stuff and let it sit. So I do have to plan ahead with the sourdough by knowing, okay, I'm going to bake something tonight with it. So I'm going to mix it up in the morning before I leave for work. And then when I come home, all I have to do is put it in the oven. So that's the fabulous thing about sourdough. And then, of course, you know, we, I try to keep dry beans. I do home can our own beans, but then soaking the beans. So that's kind of where, even if you just meal plan for a few days ahead of time, and then you know, okay, we're going to have this tomorrow night. So that means in the morning, I need to put these beans on to soak. And it really just takes very little time to do these things. And then when you just come home, you know, all you're doing, usually I soak the beans overnight. So in the morning, it's something that I always cook in the slow cooker. So if we're going to do chilies or cowboy beans or some kind of soup or even refried beans, then I just throw them in the slow cooker. And that is my other, my other tip on cooking from scratch is the slow cooker. If you guys don't have a slow cooker, oh my goodness, I love my slow cooker. I'm like the slow cooker queen. I use that baby at least once, two, sometimes three times a week. <laughs> And so use your slow cooker and some of our favorite slow cooker meals. Um, and I'll link to that in the show notes, which is at melissaknorris.com. Click on the podcast button, episode number 53, and you can find that there, is our slow cooker cabbage rolls. They are one of my favorites. They're even picky kid approved. You can make them gluten free. You can make them dairy free. There's so many options and they're actually really healthy. And when you walk in the house, and dinner is ready and you can smell it. It smells so good. You don't have to do anything except open it up and dish it out. Oh my goodness. Love it. And then another thing, and this really works great when you have cooked a whole piece of meat like I was talking about before, or not a whole piece of meat, like the whole bird or roast of the bone in is our other favorite slow cooker meal is our the ham and bean soup. And so that uses a ham bone 
and it's really frugal. It's like I counted out and it's less than 50 cents a serving, which is pretty cheap for a meal. And so that, and in fact, my son said that was like one of the best soups he'd ever had. And he is my little picky one. So if he gives a meal a thumbs up, then I feel like I'm doing really good. (laughs) So I will link to those in there. And that's another way is just, you know, using that. And so slow cooker meals definitely help. And then also skillet meals are great too. Most skillet meals, and we always use cast iron here, most of those can be done pretty much in about a half an hour or less, depending on what it is. And I actually have a 25 plus cast iron, one dish and Dutch oven uh, meals and foods to cook. And so I'll link to that too. So if you're looking for some new things to kind of inspire you, try out some new recipes, you can totally want to check that one out. And so I want to bring to you guys now is our verse of the week. And this, if you are on my newsletter, then you're going to this verse is going to be familiar because I just shared it in my newsletter this past week, which you want to be on my newsletter. You need to go over and timlesskenorse.com slash freebies. Pick up your freebies that you get for subscribing, which is the ultimate guide to home food preservation. It has Now it has over 125 plus resources from equipment lists, tutorials, recipes, all kinds of things, all on preserving food at home. So go and get your copy. It's for free. And then you'll see me in your inbox on Fridays once a week with the new stuff and then always a personal note. And so this verse I wrote about and shared and your guys's feedback and hearing back from you was amazing. I have to say with that, um, I talked about addiction and just your guys's stories. I have to tell you, I was in tears reading some of them, but not in a, not in a bad way. Um, it was just so amazing to hear how God is moving in, in your guys's lives and in those that you love's lives. And just to get that to be able to share that and to get a step into your life and to pray with some of you. It was just, it was an amazing God thing, the way that all of that was orchestrated. And so thank you so much.